I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey guys, you ever wonder what Phil and I wear while we podcast? You can find out if you join our Patreon. We'll also be talking about the films of 1989, but that's definitely less important than seeing our Zoom backgrounds, our headphone choices, and our sweatshirts. It's true. It's true. You'll get to see all the various pieces of artwork that I have framed on my office wall, and you can see Kenny's garden, sort of. So that's something. That's exciting. It's a hanging garden. It's a hanging garden. Uh, But perhaps more important than anything, uh, we are doing this Patreon to cover the best films of 1989. Uh, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, with amazing guests like Tom Meissen, Liz Hanna, Joanna Robinson, Brian Cogman, Chuck Hayward. You can sign up at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. And for $5, you'll get access to all the audio of these fantastic episodes. For a few bucks more, you'll get video as well of our 99 and 89 episodes. And perhaps, most importantly, you'll be supporting us uh, so we can just keep making podcast content for you guys. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999. I'm your host, Phil Iscove, and with me today is Carrie Whitmer. Uh, she's back, freelance culture writer and critic. We're going to talk about Take Out the Trash Day from the West Wing's first season. But before we do that, I wanted to ask you, did you watch the West Wing back in 99? Was this something you came to later? Do you remember? <laughs> I it, it came to me a little later because I was still technically 
um, a child in 1999. <laughs> I like that you say um, technically. I mean, I, I would, gosh, it, I guess it depends. I, I like turned 10 years old in 1999. Sure, sure. Um, so I was a little young for the West Wing, sure. but I got into it because my best friend in high school was obsessed with it. Um, so I never really watched it in sequential order, I guess you would say, like until okay. um, like the first time I rewatched it on Netflix, which was probably 10 years ago, sure. which was the last time I watched it. So it's a little foggy for me and things like because I just kind of watched it at my friend's house when she yeah. had it on because she had all like the box sets and stuff and would just like play it anytime we were hanging out. Sure. I, a, a lot of things are very out of order for me in my mind. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, I think it's interesting how, I mean, I've, I've done a, you know, a bunch of these episodes now and, and not a lot of people, I'm trying to think, I honestly feel like maybe two of the guests jumped on when it aired and watched it like as it was airing um, myself included. I mean, I missed the first mm. two seasons and then kind of jumped on in season three Um the box sets were a big thing. A lot of people caught up on the show back then in that way, um, which is obviously now that's streaming. But back in the day, if you weren't watching a show, those box sets yeah. were the way to catch up. Well, me and my friend would, we'd be hanging out, we'd go through a whole disc and then we'd, she'd be like, oh, like we have to go to Blockbuster and go rent the other disc before we can continue. So we'd like go to Blockbuster get the other disc. And if they were as sometimes they'd be out there like, Oh, like we don't have like a season, like three disc four episodes, whatever through whatever. And we'd be like, God damn it. Like, what are we going to do with the rest of our evening? Um, It was a struggle. It's funny. I mean, I, I mean, as I mentioned, I obviously I worked at video stores and it was really interesting how, cause we'd, we'd rent a, a couple copies of a box set, but you know, there'd be, people that were kind of lost that, that couldn't catch up because a certain disc was out it, it, a problem, obviously that we don't have anymore, but it is, yes. it is really funny. Um, so you watched it about 10 years ago, um, which yes, I believe was, on Netflix, it was streaming on yes. Netflix. Yes. And maybe it's, it was, it's, I think it was less than 10 years ago. So I, I, I watched it from beginning to end the mm-hmm. first year I lived in New York, which was okay. 2013. So I guess that's okay. like eight years ago now eight Jesus. years ago now Whew. that's tough so you're to think it is it's interesting because so you're watching this right in the middle of the obama administration yes um and then the world changes pretty significantly uh with the follow-up administration um and then you watch this episode the other day so i'm sort of you know you haven't watched it since uh trump set the world on fire so nope. I, I imagine that it's probably a little bit of you know, uh, this episode in particular correct. is very interesting. Um, with correct. the context, hold on, my yes. dog is barking. Okay, no worries. So, I just think I just need to let him out real go, quick. Yeah, go for Sorry, it. Sorry, no, 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 it's all good. No I'll worries. be right back. Okay, I'll be here. Let me go. Stop it. You're crazy. Oh, sorry. Can you handle the dog? I. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. No worries. Um, yeah, it's so, you know, we'll get into the specifics of this episode and how, uh, you know, the world has unfortunately <laughs> changed and not changed. Um, but I do think that uh, the show obviously is very different to watch now than it was to watch, you know, 
previous to Trump, but also just, um, you know, it, it, it's a little bit of a relic of a different time. It's a broadcast oh, yeah. television show. And I guess I'm sort of curious as to, you're watching it when you're a kid. And did you feel like the show, quote unquote, taught you anything about politics? Did you find yourself thinking I mean, about that? Absolutely. I, I think if anything, and I was thinking about this when I was watching the show. So I, I grew up in a pretty conservative community. I went okay. to Catholic school most of my life um, and just a very, very Catholic conservative community. So okay. things were, um, you know, like your your political beliefs were dictated by what the church told you to believe. Yep. So I grew up with like very conservative um, ideals being shoved down my throat, basically. And the West Wing was probably my awakening, I guess, sort of politically. Like it was like the show I watched, I thought I was conservative because my community was conservative. And then mm-hmm. by church taught me to be conservative. But then I was watching the super liberal show and agreeing with things that I was seeing on there. And just like, it, like even like a, like this episode is a great ex- example. Like I, pro- I think I specifically remember watching this episode and being like, "Oh, like you can have like be a teenager and have sex, and you're not gonna like be a sense of hell immediately." So, so it, it's like little things like that that I think the West Wing kind of helped in my mind turn me into a more um, open-minded, educated, person. and open-minded person sure. than where I grew up. Like I, 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 I wonder. Like, I, I, I think I would have ended up the same, like, independently thinking adult today without the West Wing. But I think sure. that started earlier because I did watch the show. Well, that I mean, that's really interesting. I, I, I do think that the show, you know, bakes a lot of uh, education inside it in terms of just sort of not just civic duty, but also just a, an acknowledgement and, and an understanding of how government works, mm-hmm. uh, who it's trying to help, why it's trying to help them. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. You, know, you, you bring up the sort of the church and religion and how much of that is kind of a, a part of the DNA of, of the right wing part of this country. Um, it's and 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 yet this show does have a very religious Catholic president at the center mm-hmm. of it, um, which is you know and and we do now have a Catholic president um, who you know is is quite religious, um, not into indoctrinating people, nor do I think that Bartlett is into indoctrination either. But I I think that the show does grapple with those that separation of church and state and and what that means is is very much a, a hallmark of the show. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I guess uh, I'm going to give a, a brief synopsis of this episode. Uh, while President Bartlett and his staff debate the appropriate response to a controversial new sex education study, there are fears that the parents of a murdered gay teenager should be excused from attending the signing of a hate crimes bill because of the father's embarrassment about his son's homosexuality. Josh and Sam meet with an appropriations subcommittee, which is investigating Josh's lack of cooperation in the White House staff drug probe, all of which is designed to expose Leo's former substance abuse problem. Toby relishes his verbal duel with some congressmen uh, who have held up the newest appointments for the Public Broadcasting Corporation. 
Corporation. CJ is advised to save a few embarrassing stories for release on Friday to blunt the effect on the media over the weekend. But she also finds time to continue her flirtation with White House reporter Danny Kincannon. Take Out the Trash Day aired on January 26, 2000. It was written by Aaron Sorkin and directed by Ken Olin. Uh, 14.92 million viewers tuned into this episode. Um, I think that it's interesting. There's a John Spencer quote that I want to read. Um, He said, this woman came up to me and said, you know what? You must not hire that woman back. If she did this, she'll be doing it again. I was so taken with this woman worrying about me. She thought I was being a little too optimistic about the second chance he gave her. But Leo was a man who was given a second chance himself. Um, I want to talk about the Leo thing real quick. Um, You know, it's, it's kind of a weirdly it's baked into i guess the b story of the episode a little bit um but ultimately there is um i guess a leak within the administration or within the white house um that has leaked that a body man took a helicopter to take some rounds of golf and that leaked to the media and sort of sam seaborn is able to through his I don't know, intelligence or what have you, divine, and his what looks, have you. Probably. And his looks probably uh, is able to figure out that there's someone in personnel uh, whose name is, oh God, what is her name? It's like Karen. 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 Of Karen. Yeah, I, I thought that same thing. <laughs> Her name's Karen Larson. Uh, she's played by Lisa Wheel, who was on uh, Gilmore Girls. Um, and uh, long story short, she had a crush on the what on the vice president, and was thus sort of removed from the vice president's assistant, what have you, into personnel. Read Leo's file. And then gave the file to Claypool, which is why we are where we are in all of this, which is them sort of sniffing around and trying to expose Leo's um, previous addiction issues. Um, and then at the end of the episode, Leo meets with Karen and says, why don't we give each other a second chance? It's a really nice scene. And we'll mm-hmm. get to that scene at the end. But um, I, I think it's interesting, for, first and foremost... <laughs> And this is kind of the, the the biggest thing for me when rewatching The West Wing now is that it all feels very quaint. Yes. Um, none of this feels like things that would set the world on fire now. It, yeah, it, it feels like very, it, it's very comforting in a weird way, even though a lot of, especially in this episode, like a lot of the things they're discussing are things that are still relevant now, like as politics always is. It's just sure. like an endless cycle, but it still feels like cozy. Like I'm just like, it feels like I'm like wrapped up in a blanket with like a cup of tea or whatever. <laughs> like it, 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 it's very soon. It's just like, this used to be like, it, it used to be optimistic. Like people used to be optimistic about this country. Yeah. It's very, very different than what I was expecting my experience watching it to be. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's interesting. Cause I know that a lot of people watched it as a bomb during the 2020 um, election cycle. And uh, especially, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a, of a, you know, obviously a very divisive election. Um, a lot of people turned to the show for, as you said, optimism to feel as though like there's a chance that maybe we can find our way through all of this. Um, I also think that, you know, a lot of people condemn the show for its optimism. It's naivete. It's what have you, but I, I don't know if you agree, but I, I feel like that's one of its wonderful attributes. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think so as well. It, it it I don't think it's ever necessarily trying to be 
super realistic. I don't think it ever really was. I, I think it's trying to educate, like you said earlier. Like it, it, it's trying to sometimes be a little bit preachy about certain things that perhaps Aaron Sorkin himself believes, um, which is fine. Like that's why you make art. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I I think it's I think it's nice. Like I I I guess it's because of my experience. Like I really do feel like now I can look back on my life and think I think this act this show actually changed me in pretty big ways. So maybe because I have that specific experience, I still like it and I like its optimism. Um, for sure, for sure. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, on the pilot episode, I had Emily Vanderwerf on to talk about her thoughts on the show, which are uh, a lot more sort of, um, she looks at the show through a prism of 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 perhaps a negative fallout of its optimism. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that people um, watched this show and then Obama's elected and, and it all felt like it was all going to work itself out. Um, and then obviously the Republicans, you know, did what they did, but it, it, I, I think that Emily's perspective is that perhaps it, it sort of warped our sense of what's possible within politics and that it has a negative effect in that way. I don't necessarily disagree. I'm sure that that is yeah. the case to some degree or another. Um, but I also don't think that it negates a the show or b the optimism that you and I or other people take. From yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think it's definitely very personal. Um, so, like, however you think about it, I mean, any show is, but I, 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 I think both things can be true. Um, if anything, my opinion on Aaron Sorkin has changed. Um, <laughs> Over the years, be as and especially watching this, I'm just like, oh my god, you just do the same shit over and over again, which is fine. Does, like that's fine, and that's okay. He has a style and he does it. But I was, I'm just like watching this, and I one of my pandemic rewatches, which I actually can't even say was a rewatch because I could not even finish it. Was Studio 60 on the sunset? You couldn't trip. finish it. I. It took me like an entire month to watch the Harriet dinner part one. Um, <laughs> I swear, like I kept would I would watch it in like oh. increments of like three minutes, and I'm just like, oh god. But I purchased it on um, the iTunes store, and it's still sitting there. Um, we so- I so past and future guest Jessica Ellis was on for a West Wing episode, and she wants to do a podcast just about Studio Sixty, where we'll cover like. Oh its entire God. run. So you're definitely going to have to come on for that. Well, I got into Aaron Sorkin. Be, I mean, like many did, obviously, because of the West Wing. So I got into Studio 60 because my friend from high school who's obsessed with the West Wing was like, Aaron Sorkin has this new show, Studio 60. It's going to be amazing. And Studio 60 was like the first show I remember being like, me and my friend watched it and we were like, oh, like, I don't like this. <laughs> And it's like when you're a teenager, you kind of like, at least when I was a teen, I just kind of liked everything I was into. So even like I was obsessed with the OC, for example, at the time, and people complained about it going off the rails in season two. And I was like, I still think the OC is amazing. You know, you just think everything you love is amazing. Studio 60, I was like, whoa, this is not amazing. Um, I don't like this. Studio 60 is, I mean... It's a mess. I'm not yeah. riding for Studio 60. That being said, I find it fascinating to watch and endlessly entertaining that it was that it exists. Like that, yes. that, that there's that there's a thing that that NBC just let him do that 
yes. for 22 episodes is the entire thing is fascinating the people who are in it fascinating um yes. but yes. anyway we're talking about the western yes. yes. but the western. what i was yes. thinking about with this episode specifically something that i think made it hard for me to mm-hmm. get through studio 60 yeah. is the sorkin's female characters are Sometimes very tough to see. Yeah, and the wanna, way the men yeah. interact. Sorry, but no, hundred percent. You could not. You could not be more accurate. I, we, we we've talked um, a fair amount here and there about. I mean, obviously Mandy and and the, the Mandy of it all, and and how yes. she sort of never really worked um, as a character, as a foil, as a romantic interest for Josh, all of these things just never really worked. Um, and, you know, in this particular episode, she kind of doesn't really exist. She's sort of, mm-hmm. she has a, we have one C or two scenes that I want to talk about with you in, in the CJ universe with Mandy in this particular episode. Um, I will say though, that this does feel like, so in the, in the previous episode, we have two sort of significant things that happen. The first is we find out about Bartlett's MS um, okay. and, and CJ and Danny kiss for the first time in that episode as well. Um, so it's, it's significant in that respect. Um, the episode previous to that was uh, Lord John Marbury, which is the, the episode where Roger Reese shows up. And we start mm. to see CJ's character is starting to have a little bit of fortitude, a little bit more of a spine. I feel like Alice and Janney's voice starts to become a little bit more apparent. And in this episode, uh, specifically in her storyline, we see her push back on two significant things that do sort of speak to each other. Um, So the first one is perhaps maybe the most significant part of this episode, I would argue, uh, is there's a hate crimes bill that's being passed or, and based on a, a, a character named Lowell Lydell, which is modeled after Matthew Shepard um, and what happened to him back in, in 98, um, which was essentially, uh, he was a University of Wyoming student in 98 and he was beaten and murdered because of his homosexuality. Um, and uh, a real bill was signed into law by Obama in 2009, almost 10 years after this episode aired. Um, wow. So, yeah. So Lowell Lydell's character is modeled after Matthew Shepard. Now, I don't know Matthew Shepard's parents or how that manifested itself. Um, but in this particular thing, uh, in this particular episode, CJ and Mandy are assuming that the father's, I would say, quietness and, and not sort of speaking up about his son is because he's embarrassed about him. What's revealed is that he's not embarrassed about his son. He's embarrassed of his president who's not doing more to protect, um, you know, uh, gay people and, 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 and sort of that this bill doesn't go far enough to protect people, which I think is an interesting twist. It's not what I expected. What did you think of this storyline? I, 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 same thing. It, I honestly completely forgot. I, I remember th- as much as I remember this episode, I did not remember that twist. So right. I kind of at first was like, oh, it was such a typical Sorkin, you know, <laughs> right. of course, like, of course the sure. parent is like super conservative. And then at the end of the episode, they'll have mm-hmm. some kind of understanding mm-hmm. um, was my assumption. So I was actually genuinely surprised with the twist. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, just, I, I guess I, 
I guess it's because I'm so um, negative now about our country in general that I was like, sure. that I'm like, no one would actually like give, I, I, who would actually care that much? Um, right, right, but right. you know, I, I, that's just me inserting myself into it, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, yeah. but I, I, I was genuinely surprised by the twist and I quite liked it. I'm curious how it was received at the time, honestly. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, I think it's interesting. There's a couple of things that I think are interesting. A few episodes previous, um, we learn of Lowell Lydell and we learn about okay. this child and what happened to him. And then CJ presses forward with Leo saying, we need to do something about this. We need to do something about this. And at the end of the episode, Leo, it's the Christmas episode. It's in Excelsius Deo. And basically Leo says, let's deal with it after the break. So that was my way, because the West Wing has done this from time to time where they'll punt a little bit, right? Like there's a hot button issue and, you know, it's not realistic, quote unquote, to resolve it. So they just kind of punt it and say, we'll do something. And then it just kind of never happens. So I was pleasantly surprised that they did come back around and did deal with this and serialize this storyline and actually do Mm -hmm. something with it. Um, But I also think I appreciate the fact that, that this show from time to time, more times than not probably shows how difficult it is to pass anything within this country and to make significant change is incredibly difficult. Yes. Um, So this hate crimes bill goes through, but as the father of Lowell says, you know, it's weak and it's not as strong as it could be. And it's probably because that's what Bartlett could get passed under the circumstances, which is not as impressive or as, as sort of monumental as maybe he would like it to be. Um, I like that this show, as optimistic as it is, is realistic about passing laws and, and passing bills and, and how hard yeah. that is to do. It, it's, it's realistic about that and also realistic about honestly sometimes how boring it could be to work in the White House (laughs) like you you know like it's just uh, what I like about it and I think something I always liked about the West Wing is that it just makes it it's just like this is people's job like people do like go to work and do this every day and then they have personal lives outside because I think you kind of forget that politicians or people who work in politics um have lives outside of what they do because that's the only thing we know. So for me, I I, I think it not, not standing humanizing politicians in any way, but I I, I think, I think it is very significant in that it makes you realize, Oh, there's a bunch of people who work at the white house that I never would have thought. Like I never would have thought that this job exists at the white house or that there's this many people who work in an office inside the white house and do a bunch of mundane things every day. Like, I never would have thought totally. there's, like, like the Karen character, like, being shifted to person. Like, what, is, what even is that, you know? Um, it, it, it's just very interesting how expansive it is and how it doesn't really... I feel like the West Wing never really glorifies it in any way. Like, they don't try to make it come across as being in politics is a very luxurious lifestyle that, yeah. you, like, you want, which I, I think a lot of other political shows do do that or movies 100%. glamorize it a little too much. Um, it just I would, yeah, I would even is say what the, it is. The movie that, that this show is based on, The American President, is a show that definitely, or a movie that is, to your point, I mean, and again, like, th- there's all sorts of different ways to skin a cat, right? And I think that yeah. you and I are both saying that, that this show is coming at it. Um, it's still shot in a very sort of cinematic fashion. It still has lots of big, 
score moments that do a lot of heavy lifting for the show. Um, oh yeah, a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> but but it definitely, um, to your point, doesn't make it seem like a particularly fun job. If that makes yeah. sense, like it does. It feels like a job job sometimes, and that's that. I think is a, an important point. I I, I want to kind of um, hone in on on uh, so. After CJ and Mandy talk with the father, Mandy and CJ go outside the room and Mandy says, we got to send them home. Like we can't put them in front of a camera. We can't put them in front of a microphone. It's clear that they are um, critical of this administration. And from a media perspective, you can't do that. CJ, however, gets quite emotional and says, um, we should do it. Like th- he makes a good point. We should have gone farther. Like this, this, this man has the right to be able to express himself. And Mandy says, like, get a hold of yourself. Like you have to, you know, like take a second and realize how bad this could be for us. And that kind of lands with CJ. And she's like, you're right. You're right. We need to send them home. Um, it's, I'm trying to think of the best way to articulate this. I feel as though it's 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 very effective in the sense that you feel for CJ. Allison Janney gives a tremendous performance. That being said, she's one of the only women in this in the senior staff of this administration, and it does feel like from time to time she's allowed, quote unquote, allowed to be more emotional because she's a woman. Yeah. And I guess I'm sort of curious as to sort of how you see that as a woman, but also just in terms of the what you mentioned earlier about Sorkin's female characters. I guess it, it, it's, it's hard for me to judge it based on just this episode alone because it has been so long since I've seen it, but sure. I did notice that. Um, <laughs> like, and I'm trying to remember moments like that from the male characters, and I cannot think of any. Um, in my, I get it. It's been a long time since I watched it, so it's hard. But are there any that have happened? You know, the only besides moment, Leo. It's interesting. I feel like, um, in terms of like actually fighting back tears, which feels like CJ has sort of this, and and at a couple other moments, and and straight up crying after Mark Harmon is killed. Um, I feel like Leo has a couple moments. And Toby has the moment after his kids are born where he gets a little bit emotional. So it's not as though it's totally engendered, but it definitely leans much more towards women. And it is interesting that both of those characters are more of the older, more scruffy guys, not Rob Lowe and Bradley Whitford. Yes, Correct. Interesting. You're hot. You're hot guys are not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's interesting when, when Josh and, Sam get emotional, they get angry. Like they get like, you know what I mean? They get masculine and they get sort of like, it's, it's this, it's, it's an interesting point that the yeah. older men are allowed to be a little bit more fragile. The the younger, hotter guys, not to say the older ones aren't hot because they are, um, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, <laughs> Richard Schiff. Yeah. Thank you. Um, they, 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 them, sure. <laughs> yeah, they, they get, they get the younger men, get very sorkin when they're angry. Yes. If that yes, makes sense. Yes. Like just talking faster and just like firing. It's, yes. 
it's like they get how Aaron Sorkin probably gets when he gets angry, uh, which I is mean, very amusing. I, to I, me. It's very possible. Can't, can't yeah. speak to that. Um, I, so the the other storyline that <clears throat> excuse me that does involve CJ and Mandy is uh, the sex education study, um, which folds into a couple different storylines within this episode. Um, I guess they paid a bunch of doctors uh, or to do a study about sex education, uh, specifically with teenagers in high school and what have you, um, to see how to deal with teen pregnancy and various other sort of you know, sexually transmitted diseases, what have you. The study comes back to them and the study essentially says um, the best way for kids not to get pregnant is for kids not to have sex. Uh, and they suggest something called abstinence plus, um, which they they coined the term everything but, it seems, yeah. um, is, is the way that they talk about it. Um, so essentially what happens is... Uh, Mandy has to read this report with the president in the Oval Office, which leads to a deeply uncomfortable scene where he basically just says, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> like He's just crossing out things that he won't say in front of Mandy. Um, it's a funny scene, though. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, I, I respect Bartlett for respecting Mandy. So, <laughs> you know, that, yes. that, that, was a, that was a really cute scene. Um, yes. it's, it's, it's also interesting. Like I, I, I'm, I, I guess since I was a kid at the time and being preached by conservative, um, yes. abstinence education, um, which, which was I'm assuming not you, be you taught. still are abstinent, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> to only being taught that you just don't have sex. Um, I, that was what yeah. you were taught when you were yeah. in high school? I did. Wow. I wasn't in, no, not in high school, in uh, like middle school, you know, okay. like when you, we had this thing in um, the Catholic school called family life, which was you literally just learn what, that sex is for making babies. You only have sex when you're going to make a baby. Like a lot, a lot of uh-huh. Catholics believe, like you only have sex for the purpose of making a child. Like you don't even do it for fun. Like you just, we're going to have Ooh. sex because we're trying to have a baby. Um, that was, uh, that's what I was taught um, okay. in school, okay. in school, which should not be legal. Um, but um, yeah, so this was very, so I, I was just wondering, was this kind of, I guess, to put a, a quote unquote radical mm. concept of abstinence education new? I don't think it was new. I, I think that, see, what's interesting about this whole thing is, first and foremost, it it folds into the Loa Lydell stuff, right? Which is just the the understanding of your own sex and and your your what you're attracted to, why you're attracted to it. All of mm-hmm. this stuff is just, you know, disregarded, right? Like this idea if we ignore it, it'll just go away is obviously uh, how this country deals with a lot of things. Yes. Um, which is the hope that like, oh, someone else will deal with it down the road. Um, and sex education is exactly that, right? If you don't talk to kids about the various ways to express yourself sexually, uh, you're going to create scenarios where kids are going to feel like others if they don't meet some sort of criteria. And then you get a Lowell Idell situation or a Matthew Shepard situation where kids just are not educated enough to understand the situation. And then on top of it, and I don't mean to make this about religion necessarily, but to your point, 
you know, the Bible says X, Y, and Z. So I have to fight for the Bible because my parents tell me that the Bible is, you know what I mean? Like it's all these yeah. things that are kind of kicking around inside, quite frankly, uh, an emotional teenager's head that doesn't understand. Um, so yeah, it's it's all just sort of, and, and that's what comes sort of to, to a head with CJ and, and Bartlett at the end of the episode where she says to the president, we need to talk about this study. And he says, no, we're going to put it in a drawer to protect Leo because the Republicans say, if you put this report in a drawer, we won't go any farther with this Leo stuff, which is kind of nonsense. I'm not really sure I understand it, but yeah, like it's, it's a little bit of like, because that still comes to a head. Like It still comes to a head for Leo down the road anyway. So I'm just like, I'm not really sure. Yeah, because I, I remembered that and I was just like, were they just kind of shoving the abstinence report storyline in a drawer themselves. Um, That's interesting too. Yeah, I didn't think about it that way. I, I, I think that it's it's a little bit of... The, the, the funny part, quote-unquote, the funny part is they say deal with it after the midterms. The midterms happen at the top of season two. And yeah. then Leo's um, drug issues come to a head mid-season three. So... It's not as though the timeline is wonky. It's more about why the Republicans give a shit about this abstinence, like this this sex education study. It's just bizarre to me. I, whatever. I, I will say, um, still kind of knowing people in that community that I grew mm-hmm. up in, mm-hmm. they would still care about that. Really? So, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's still, and it's still like that kind of like abstinence only education is I, I i forgive me if i'm incorrect but no. still being taught in like those kinds of schools um I'm sure it is. so I'm sure it is. yeah uh so i'm i i wasn't really surprised by that at all because i, I for me it was just like like i was just thinking oh so like all these conservatives are still the same like they still care yeah. about something so it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I mean, sex education is clearly very important, but the fact that these politicians don't think it is, mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. And the fact that the Republicans still think, oh, like we want our personal opinion on sex to um, still be the thing and not have it be challenged. Was- yeah, it's, you know, the, for sure. I, I There's a part of me too that's like, this study essentially saying, if we teach kids 
about all the other stuff they can do outside of actual penetration. There's a part of me that's like, I get that, right? Because kids are going, kids are going to act on their, on their, you know, emotions and on their hormones and all that kind of stuff. Right. So there's a part of me that's just like education is, and this is sort of the show, right. In a nutshell, but like education is a silver bullet, right? If we teach kids as much as we possibly can, about as much as we know, then they at least can make an educated decision as to what they do or don't want to do. Yeah. Um, the 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 idea that if you just tell kids not to have sex, they won't is just laughable. <laughs> I guess it, it it worked on me for a long time because it was like the fear of God was planted sure, in sure. my mind. So I was like, oh, if I wow. ever do this, like I'm the devil's going to set me on fire. Um, that's crazy. And then once I did, I would like punish myself in like really weird ways because I was like, Oh, like I shouldn't be doing this. Like I'm horrible. I know. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm fine now, you know? Um, but it's just funny to think about. And uh, honestly, one of the reasons why I chose this episode, because I wanted to like see, because I like was reading the synopsis of all the season one episodes you sent me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this will be interesting. I I mean, I I think it's it. So so (laughs) you watch this. I'm sure it was. You watch this. You watch this for the first time, probably. You know, when you're twelve, eleven, something along those lines. I was a little older. I was a little older when I was watching West Wing. I was like more like fourteen, fifteen. Okay. So you're so you're right in the in the thick of of puberty and and various things that are going on, Um, which I do think is just really fascinating to me because I do think that this episode is. I, I, there's a bunch of takeaways that a, that a teenager could take away from this episode, right? There's, there's the takeaway of if you're gay, like there could be repercussions for that, which is upsetting and awful. But like, there is a reading of that where you could take away from this that, um, you know, that what happens to Lowell Idell, right? So there's that. There's also the takeaway of don't have sex. Um, there's also the takeaway of if you're if you're going to have sex, don't have intercourse. Like it's just there's all these. It's, so what's interesting is that your takeaway from this was the the most positive one. It seems right, which mm-hmm. was it's all going to be okay. Like you can have sex. Like you, it's, yeah. it's which I think is great. But could you see somebody having the opposite takeaway from? Yeah, that? It, it probably because by the end of the episode, Bartlett shoves this like in a drawer yeah shoves it in a drawer like it's it's not great look (laughs) if you're a teenager maybe who is is consuming this without like the education i had so for me it was educational at the time um because i was like oh oh (laughs) like you don't like i was only taught that i could be taught something else you know um, so then as a teenager, you kind of get mad about it, you know? Um, but if you don't know anything else, you might be like, oh, like maybe this show, without thinking about it, you might think the show is telling you not to have sex. And the fact if that the president me, I... doesn't care about the right report the ramifications that, of that he yeah. started right. will right. make you think that even more. Yeah, it's it's... It is interesting to think about Bartlett um, through the prism of sex. And I say that because he is a religious man. Um, you can, in a previous episode, Charlie asks if he can take out Zoe. 
Um, and if they can go out on a date and Bartlett's clearly uncomfortable about that. Now that's the father daughter thing, yeah. but also like whenever sex comes into the purview, Bartlett turns into such an old man with very sort of like, you know, puritanical kind of, it, it is interesting because he is the lead of this show. He is sort of the top of the, of the uh, food chain. So his, ideals do kind of wash over a lot of people, which I just think is interesting. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. E- even Where did the you way... grow up? Out of curiosity, oh, I grew up in North Carolina. Okay. Sorry. Um, oh yeah. I, it's interesting also that CJ is for many reasons throughout the whole episode is being very pushy with Bartlett in that scene about the study and then how quickly she's like, Oh, okay. It's like, it's all, Oh yeah, yeah, I get it. Because and it's all like for Leo. Which which you understand, like they're trying to protect their yeah. colleague and friend or whatever. Yeah. But it is interesting how quickly they have CJ back away from something after she'd yeah. been like fighting throughout the entire episode for something. Um It's I you know I can't help but really see the pattern with CJ's character. And it and it is unfortunate that that it does that it is a female character, but it does feel as though CJ is often the one to try to push back on things and is often the one to told to sit down and just, you know, keep quiet and yeah. what have you. It, it is unfortunate that that seems to be the case. And when she's told to after a couple times, she's like, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. I don't I, I need I, to I, stop. Yeah. She, yeah. I mean, I'll say this. I do feel like, over the seven seasons of this show, you do see CJ get stronger and stronger and, and her voice gets heard more and more and more as the show progresses. Um, there's just something inherently, perhaps of its time, perhaps of Aaron Sorkin, however you want to slice it, um, that does feel like, uh, why does it have to, why, why does it, why does it always need to be a woman? Yeah. Why yeah. does it need to be a woman? Same with Mandy, right? Like Mandy's essentially shown the door um, because her character is quite frankly, just annoying in a bunch of ways, not yeah. because of Moira Kelly, but just in general, you know, you bring on uh, Ainsley Hayes, which is another female character, which is a, another character that's sort of pushing back on things. It's just interesting. And it's not to say that the male characters don't push back too, because they certainly do. Um, it's just, for whatever reason, it feels a little bit more prominent with CJ's character than it does with others. Yeah, and it, it definitely did in this episode. I mean, they got, I guess, the, lucky, the right word, that they got Allison Janney, who's just, I right. mean, she's so good. Even in this episode, I'm just like, she's so magnetic. She's so good. She has mm-hmm. such control over the character that it. I almost didn't see it while I was watching it. Now I'm seeing it yeah. now that you're talking about it. More so, if that makes sense. But no, for sure. She's God. She's just so good. They they really lucked out in having it be Allison Janney and not oh, someone sure, who maybe sure. wouldn't have brought as much nuance to it. Totally. Um, there's a couple other things I wanted to touch on. Um, you working in the in the freelance reporting field, um, I think there's something kind of adorable about a Friday night dump now, which is obviously not really a thing. Yeah. Um, back in the day, they used to dump stories on Friday nights because, quote unquote, no one reads the paper on Saturday. Um, now, I mean, obviously with fucking Twitter and what have you, it's like, you know, you can't control when something is going to get out there. Um, 
do you think that there's, I mean, there's something quaint about that, but also like, problematic in that role too, right? This idea of sort of, I guess I get, a, my back gets up a little bit about any sort of uh, political administration using its power to figure out how to tell us stuff. I just get kind of weirded out by it. Yeah, that's, it's like, basically, they're, they're basically saying we control the media. Right. Because we control when things come out. I right. mean, it, and as much as I hate that we live in a society now where you cannot escape the news, if yeah. if the New Yorker drops a big report on a Saturday, you got to read it right away or you're going to miss out. Right. You, and it's like, I don't want to be reading this like Ronan Farrow report on a Saturday morning. Like this is depressing, yeah. but you have to be informed. Uh, so as much as I kind of wish there was a dump, it's also problematic that there was a dump day. Yes. Yes. That there was a time when we just were like, yeah, we'll just uh, dump all these stories and hope that if we dump a bunch of them, people won't notice. Um, it's, so I think that's interesting. Um, this leads into the, the, uh, the Danny Kincannon component of this story a little bit of this episode. Um, so so CJ and Danny have been doing this dance of, you know, he's been relentlessly asking her out and re- refuses to take no for an answer. You know, classic <laughs> the, 1999. Classic, classic Sorkin that also happens yeah. on Studio 60 with uh, oh, yeah. Bradley Whitford, Bradley Whitford yeah. and Amanda Peet. Yeah. Oh my God. That classic scene Sorkin. haunts oh. me to this day. With her yeah. eating a sandwich being like, I'm coming for you is insane. Insane. Yeah. Insane. I can't believe it ever. <laughs> All that being said. Um, so... They've been doing this dance and CJ essentially is going to leak him a story, which is something that, that Toby and various people within the administration are concerned she's going to do because of her, uh, her closeness with Danny. Uh, she wants to basically leak to him that in the Friday night dump, they're going to dump that the parents of Lola Lydell are going to go home um, and that there's, that there's you know something there. And he says, I don't want to know. I don't want you to tell me because A, you're going to hate yourself and you're not going to like me when you wake up tomorrow and realize you shouldn't have done this. Um, but also, you know, it's I'll figure it out. And she says, no, you won't. And whatever. It's a nice scene. Um, and it does feed into a conversation they have where CJ asks Danny about Lowell's father, possibly being ashamed of his son being gay. And Danny says that that's a very real possibility. And CJ says, it eludes me. I don't understand how that's possible. They have this sort of really interesting back and forth about fathers and sons and 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 how a father can interpret a son being gay as as a negative. Um it's interesting. It's all like again, like this show is always bubbling with lots of stuff. I I I really, really like that scene. That was probably my favorite scene in the episode. It 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 it, it was really fascinating to me to see like you see just in this one scene cj's optimism that she couldn't even imagine that there's that there could even though she was projecting onto the the dad like the fact that she couldn't imagine oh like i can't believe there's people out there who have a different have it not have a different opinion because it's this is like a moral issue but the the fact that she could not imagine oh i can't believe there's someone out there who thinks that being gay is, is embarrassed by their gay son. Um, and it's something that she also, a scenario that is again, something that she projected onto this person um, 
based on his behavior. Um, that 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 was like probably the most like loaded scene for me in terms of like where both of those characters were. Um, and I remember I loved their romance when I watched it when I was a teen. I thought they were just like amazing. I love Danny and CJ. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I, and I and and it's such a testament to uh, to Allison Janney and and Timothy Busfield as actors. Um, and and once the relationship is able to kind of blossom, it's fine. It's really the like three or four episodes of Danny being like, "Go out with me, go out with me," and her being like, "No, no," and him being like, "But I'm, but go out with me." And you're like, were, were those? So I rem- I I do remember those episodes, those scenes in those episodes. Were those like way earlier than this episode? Yeah, it's it's basically uh, it's yeah, it's it's a good like we're at episode uh, 11, yeah. 12, something like that. Um, and it's in the like five, six, sevens where oh, you're okay. seeing sort of this. So it's pretty Danny, fresh. It's, it's pretty fresh. And again, like it's, I think part of it has to do with um, you get the distinct impression that Aaron Sorkin is more interested. And I, and this sounds worse than it should, but more interested in the chase than in the relationship. Yes. <laughs> And I, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. The chase is, especially in the television format, the most interesting thing to watch. Like, right. there, there's a reason why, like, Ross and Rachel and, like, Sam and Diane always were getting back together and breaking up. Like, because it's more interesting when they're not together and you yep. want them to be. Um, so the, the, the chase is, from a storytelling perspective, way more interesting than when a couple finally gets together because then what what you do like if you create tension people are going to be mad because they're like this couple's perfect they aren't supposed to fight or have any problems um and it also can re- be kind of boring like i i feel like at the office when jim and pam got to they got together too soon because then the show kind of wasn't as interesting too soon three seasons um, i know three seasons i mean but then they That's have like how many time. more I, it is a long time, but 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 they kept them like, mm-hmm. and they didn't even have tension really until like many seasons later, and people were very upset. Um, I, so, I agree that the the chase, the cat and mouse, is a hallmark of television, hundred percent, right? Um, and I'm actually rewatching Friends uh, recently, and the 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 Ross and Rachel thing is fascinating to me in so far as as they're together and happy for like almost half a season until yeah. they have their break and all of that fiasco. The, the The push and pull of Ross and Rachel is more interesting post their relationship, like their happiness than it is when you're in it. Cause yeah. they're just like, well, who's who wants to watch people be happy? Like that's not, that's not fun. Um, so I get why Danny chasing CJ is fun. Um, but it's also gross. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's definitely, I'm only defending the chase as like a storytelling sure, tool, not <laughs> the way that Aaron Sorkin does it. <laughs> when, when, sorry, I'm like, I, I mean, I no, really, no, I really, yeah. I really do no, yeah. love Aaron Sorkin yeah. for many reasons, yeah. but this is a consistent problem in a lot right. of his work. Um, this chase specifically, a chase does not have to be creepy. You could like I've had I've had men like chase me and it's very creepy, but I've 
so that is realistic. Uh, we got to give them credit for that because there are creepy men um, who will just relentlessly try to get you to date them, even though you keep saying no. But there are also <laughs> circumstances in which it's actually kind of hot. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if Aaron Sorkin has yet to figure out um, which is which, because I think he might think that it's cool. Well, I think that doing it for sure. <laughs> I, I I've mentioned this on previous on a previous episode, but I think that there's an affinity that Aaron Sorkin has for classic um, movies. Your your uh, you know your um, Billy Wilders and 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 Howard Hawks of the world, where you had these dynamics of fast talking men and women that kind of circled each other, and there was all this kind of winky kind of we're into each other thing. That to him is like the pinnacle, right? The mm-hmm. problem, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, is that that doesn't translate today. So today yes. we don't really have those dynamics. So what what seems as like playful and cute to him back in the fucking forties and fifties and sixties doesn't now. Yeah. Um, so those dynamics, which you see repeated. You see it on Sports Night. You see it on West Wing. You certainly oh, yeah, see it on Studio Sports 60. Night too, yeah. And you see it on Newsroom as well. Like just this idea of persistence is cool. It's just not cool. It just sucks. But it's yeah. what it is. But to this is all just a long way of saying that I do think that, that Allison Janney and, and Timothy Busfield make it palatable and make it work even if – you just kind of want to be like, Danny, she's a professional and she doesn't want to date you right now. Like you got to take that for what it is. Um, so, but um, I, I want to talk, speaking of sexism, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I want to talk for a second about um, something that kind of bumped me this time around and, and, and uh, that all the assistants are women. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now Charlie isn't, Obviously, and 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 so there is an exception, I guess, to the rule a little bit. But I would also say that that his job differs from uh, the other assistants. Um, but when you see them all together in a gaggle, there, you're just like, Ugh, I don't like this. It's like it shouldn't feel like a scene with all the secretaries in the break room on Mad Men, but it does. But it does, right? Like yeah. I couldn't, I, I. That's a very. That's literally what a what kind of appeared in my head. Where I was like, why are they? It's like a sewing circle, and it's, yeah. it's not. It's not great. It, like the scene where I forget her name, but the Margaret, um, Leo's assistant, the old, Margaret, or um, Mrs. Landingham. Yeah, Mrs. Landingham like walks in. It's like a break room or whatever, and yeah. she's like, "Oh, we don't gossip at the White House." Yeah. I'm like, okay, like yeah, it's a real tisk tisk moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's we're like, oh, I know, like a group of women, they have to be gossiping because that's what groups of women do. Yeah, it's 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 really not great, and it it does sort of lead to. There's okay, so they have this this conversation. We don't know what they're talking about. Then Donna peels off with Josh and says, "Can I talk to you and Sam about something?" And then the way Josh kind of there's something very very like the ladies are talking again, and there's like that. I just don't the dynamic of it. I don't love it. Becomes serious, obviously. Yes. Um, moments later, but there's just something about it that, that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, it, 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 you definitely get a sense, even if it 
was not intentional. I really don't think it was intentional that know. the men are a little bit condescending to mm-hmm. a lot of the women, even CJ, um, I think as well. But it, it almost feels like at the time they were like, oh, well, we have one like fierce, powerful female character. Right. Um, right. And so they didn't need anyone else. Yep. That's I agree. That's, that's it's a, definitely it's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's 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 a little weird. It bumped me a little bit. Um, th- there's only a, a couple other things I want to talk about. The first is mm-hmm. Toby's storyline is kind of a whatever storyline. Um, oh yeah. It's it's I, listen. I'll, I'll listen to Richard Schiff yell about the Muppets all day long. Like that's great. Um, sure. Uh, you know, but it, it it kind of it just was. It's just it's a it's a funny runner, I guess. That doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, I I, I think maybe they just like wanted to promote. PBS, um, yeah, sure, Why which not? is great. Like, yeah, I love PBS. Love PBS. Yeah. I also grew up watching Sesame Street and Julia Child yeah. on PBS. Hell yeah! Um, every yeah. every Saturday, I would watch the Ed Sullivan Show mm-hmm. on PBS, and I don't think I, I, think I realized that that it wasn't new about you, Carrie. I think, yeah. that, I think that's that that yeah for, that explains a lot. And listen, for a long time, because I was very young, I don't think I realized that it was not new. Um, <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. That's adorable. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. But it, it, it's, it's, it's pretty thankless. But I, I, when I was watching it, I was thinking that. But then I was like, but this is just, this is what network TV was. Like, it, not everything really mattered. Sometimes they just had, oh, we need, like, this character to be in the episode. We need them to do something. And now on a show like The West Wing, even if it's on on Netflix or on network TV, they might just be like, Oh, we don't need to have Toby in this episode. Mm-hmm. They just, yep. they just won't waste their time um, with a yeah, story I mean, that does not need to be there. And episode orders, you know what I mean? It's all, yeah. as we know, uh, everything is shrinking in terms of the amount of episodes that are made. So to your point, um, you wouldn't have a filler storyline like this for Toby. Uh, you would make sure that it, that it's all substantive because yep. you only have a certain amount of episodes to, to work within. Um, CJ has a really lovely line at the end of the episode where she says, Mr. President, uh, we can all be better teachers. Um, it's a great moment. And it's, it's, I think what's great about it is the shade she's throwing at him in the, in this moment of being like, you're dropping the ball here, sir. And I hope you know it, which I think is great. Yeah, that, that was great. I, yeah, I, I, I wish they would just have her. I, I know it. she gets a little more confident, as we discussed in the later seasons. Mm-hmm. But if she just said, you're dropping the ball on this cert. Like, I, I feel like I <laughs> Josh would say that, you know. Yep, yep. Toby all, would say it. Uh, to, uh, all, all, the, all the male characters would just straight up say that to yep. him. Yep. But, but then, I mean, maybe there's also an interesting layer where they were intentional about that because she's a woman. She doesn't feel like she has much of a place, but I don't know if they ever, I don't remember if they ever really explore that on the West wing. Cause it's been so long since I've seen it. But. They, I mean, I'll, I'll say that, you know, when it comes to hierarchy uh, of, of a, of a senior staff of administration, um, your press secretary is, I mean, even the name press secretary is in and of itself <laughs> a, a lower yes. tier than everybody else. So, you know, again, it's unfortunate yeah. that it's a woman that's in this role. Um, you know, it, I, I think that if this show was made today, I imagine your press secretary would probably be a man. I, mm-hmm. I would like to think that, you know, a, a chief of staff would be a woman. I mean, yeah. there's all sorts of things that they could do and should do. Have we, has this country ever had a female chief of staff? 
Oh man, my guess is Oof. no. <laughs> my guess is no. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, yeah. <laughs> God damn it! But uh, I, it's to to wrap up this uh, at the end of the episode, John Spencer has this really lovely scene with Karen Larson, um, where he tries to connect with her about their pasts. They talk about his alcoholism, her father's alcoholism, um, and and sort of why she reacted the way she reacted to his file when she read it. Um, and, and the sort of preconceived notions she had about this man and that he's not as she expected him to be. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really lovely. Um, it's, and I say that because I do think that Leo is very fatherly to the senior staff and, and what have you, but he's, you know, it's a little bit of a curmudgeon. Uh, he's a little bit of a taskmaster and to see kind of that all that, kind of fall away a little bit and allow him to sort of uh, tell this young woman that, you know, he, he wants to give her a second chance and hopes that, uh, that, you know, she'll give him one is really nice. Oh yeah. And it's, that scene is just quintessential Sorkin. uh, All the things that I love about him are all like amped up and working all together. It's like, it's very preachy. You're learning about yeah. alcoholism. I mean, it, it, it is like, I mean, Leo's basically mansplaining what addiction is, yep. um, but, but it works. Like it's, it's yeah. very effective. And I'm sure that a lot of, I'm, I'm sure that people who watched that episode at the time who maybe did not know as much about addiction, I think it's a little more of in the conversation today, um, that especially than it was in 1999. But the fact that he like you're learning about it as being a disease and not a choice, um, and just the overall optimism of this character giving this person who basically tried to ruin his career and his life her job back um, and giving her a sec- second chance was very Sorkin-y in the best way. I, I agree, and 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 in a very West Wing Sorkin way, the very last moment is Leo watching TV as CJ does the Friday dump. And this, this, this happens relatively commonly on the show, and it's a beautiful uh, structure, if you will, which is we watch all these things happen in the West Wing, and then the end of the episode is all, the, the culmination of these things being sort of just set on television to the public, yeah. and no one knows what happened in order to make that happen. In order to, in order for all of this to play out uh, simply on our television screen, all of these yeah. crazy machinations had to happen in order for it to. Um, it's just it's 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 a very sort of um, I don't know. There's there's something very as you said very comforting about it because I feel like it. This show is about all of these people working so hard to keep the trains running on time and to try to make a better world. Now, again, I say that from a democratic perspective. I can't yes. genuinely say that from Republicans, but it does feel like um, when you watch this, you think to yourself, like, I feel like everyone in the Biden administration just wants to make a better world. Now, whether or not uh, that aligns with your perspective of what a better world looks like, I think that it is, um, by and large, for the most amount of people possible. So, I, I yeah, I, absolutely, I, I absolutely agree with that. And, and I, I, the ending of this episode 
really culminates why I still enjoy the optimism of the West Wing because yeah. it, it's like it, it's not even like that it's optimistic about politicians are trying to save us and trying to make our lives better it's just the optimism of these characters who actually care about each other and care about the, what they do mm-hmm. it's not necessarily like I want to see all these people who give so much of a shit about the country they they give a shit about each other and they're doing it all together is totally. just like kind of nice. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so at the end of every episode, I've been asking my guests uh, what their favorite episodes of the West Wing are. Do you have oh. a couple that you want to uh, perhaps? Oh God. It's, it's just been so long. I, 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 I think I, it, I wanted to come into this without doing a bunch of research. Cause I wanted to like sure. read yeah, more. Yeah, like I get it. Yeah, of course. Of course. I, God, no worries. Um, if you don't, it's fine. I just figured I would ask. Uh, trying to think now. There's one. Elizabeth Moss plays the daughter Zoe. She right? plays Zoe. Yes. There's yeah. one. There's one episode that I always really liked. That she, she's like kind of the mm-hmm. like she's in it a lot. Gosh, this I'm I'm on the it's spot okay. here. I, I really no, no, can't say no a specific no, episode. No, 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 it's all it's okay. Um, we, we, we don't and then is there? Gosh, is there like? How about, a, how about this? I'll do. I'll do yeah. one better. Are there okay. are there moments that jump out at you? Are there things about the show that sort of are there scenes that have stayed with you over the, the years? Um, I would probably say it's more so the characters because I was like a, you know, a little teen getting <laughs> horny for like um, men when I was watching the show. It is true. Um, Who was your crush then? I guess is the bigger. Oh question. God, it was Bradley Woodford. Sure, Josh Lyman. It was Lyman, Lyman. hard. Yeah, I, I I was I I nerded out hard. I had like a a cutout of Bradley Whitford from oh like TV Guide, like taped to my door. Um, <laughs> loved, loved, and I, I guess I would say like the most. I guess for the West Wing, the most significant memory of watching the West Wing was watching the series finale. Um, it's it's probably the most fresh and like I I, I really don't remember watching any other episode of the show live. Um, sure, I mean that that makes sense. I mean it was a big deal. And I think it was probably the first time I ever watched a series finale of a show that I had been super invested in. Like I I watched like Friends when I was a kid, like here and there, but I wasn't like like nerding out for like, I wasn't obsessed with friends because I, I mean, I was pretty young. Like I was a child throughout most of its run. So I, I never really got into it because it was like more of a show for adults. Um, sure. But West wing was definitely the first show that I was heavily invested in that I remember watching end. So mm-hmm. I like, I just, I do distinctly remember the finale. Do you, when did it air? 2005. Five. Okay. Or so six. yeah, might have been six. Six. Might have been six. So it was yeah. like 15, 16 at the times. So it's like definitely a very distinct memory for me. Like I remember like sitting in my basement and like on this like Do old you... IKEA couch watching the West Wing finale by myself because no one else in my family watched it. <laughs> Do you feel like Josh Lyman, your crush on Josh Lyman yeah. as a teenager, informed your future crushes in any way? Hmm. Yeah, because he's very sort of he's very intellectual. There's 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 like a, a kind of a, a a snarky sassiness to him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you can like all my like fictional crushes definitely have similar qualities. I would say sure, Seth sure. Cohen was very 
informative it's very for jo- me. He's like he feels like a young Josh Lyman. I mean, he he's does. Got that, yeah. yeah. Loki. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, does Loki fall into this? But I mean, he kind of um, does. Even Kylo Ren. Um, you do have a type character. Yeah, when it comes to yeah. Your fictional and, characters. and I would say, but but I would also even say, like, my, my boyfriend's very different, but mm-hmm. also similar, similar, like, very intellectual. He's also, like, very politically engaged. Um, oh, kind of like that. I, I would say my boyfriend probably has the most qualities of Josh than any other of my <laughs> fictional crushes, which is uh, something that I'm just figuring out now um, on the pod live on the podcast, which is. That's amazing. Really. I mean, it's probably a good thing. Loki and yeah. Kylo Ren have, you know, they got, they got their issues. So, you know, Josh yeah. at least seems like a relatively grounded guy. P- post season one of Loki, Loki is post maybe dateable. I have not watched the finale yet, so okay. I, I can't yeah. speak to I can't speak to the very end of the of the I'm gonna watch yeah. it tonight. Um yeah. but uh but Loki does seem to be, you know, becoming more emotionally in touch with yeah. his feelings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just like the world, I guess, you know. Yeah. Um well Carrie, thank this you. This has so been much fascinating. This has been this has been great. We've done a little bit of uh I think I might like the last couple months of the pandemic. Maybe I'll do the West Wing binge. We'll see. I think. I mean, I think you'd really. First of all, I think you'd really love it. But I also yeah. think that it's just very comforting right now. And I think that. Um, I don't know. I'm. I'm trying to be hopeful. I think there's reasons to be hopeful, um, even if it does feel like uh, this country is sometimes a dumpster fire. I do yeah. feel like I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that we're turning something. And I definitely, I, I definitely need some more optimism in my life. It's been a lot of um, dramas sure. and a lot of reality so, TV. So I need, I need some optimism in my life. So this is fair honestly enough, been very thrilling. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and I hope that you'll yeah. come back again for for future Absol- television or movies. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and uh, and thank you again. I really appreciate. Thank it. Thank you. This has been very fun. I always love being here. One last thing: please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, speaking of subscribing, check out our Patreon on all the best films of 1989: Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Fabulous Baker Boys, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters Two, Field of Dreams, Major League, and many, many more. We are covering all the best films of 1989 with amazing guests like Joanna Robinson, Liz Hanna. Hunter Covington, Brian Cogman, David Iserson, and many, many more. All your favorite guests from our 1999 podcast are coming on to the 1989 Patreon. You can sign up for it at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. For only $5, you get access to all of these awesome episodes. And for a few bucks more, you get video of our 1999 episodes as well. Plus, there are other very cool tiers too, where you can even be a guest on our podcast. Also, please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com backslash podcast like it's. We're also on Twitter at podcast like it's. We're also on Instagram at podcast like it's. Thank you to Ernie and Will for producing our episode, Sullivan for our social media, Yonkatas for our artwork and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening. Podcast like it's. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.